Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer living on the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish people, otherwise known as Vancouver, Canada. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world to talk more about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious and prosperous existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey there, welcome to A Voice for Love. This is Surya, and I'm super excited to introduce my very special guest, Stephanie Sibio, this morning. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming. So Stephanie is the founder of, maybe co-founder, I'm not sure, tell us a little bit more, of 100 Million Moms. Please tell us a little bit about this. So 100 Million Moms was founded when I was put in touch with an activist based in Vancouver named Susan Stanfield. And if you don't know about her, you can find her on Instagram at health and justice. She is... She's been an activist for like 20 years and she's been really, really um, doing some great things and really knows how to use, you know, legal terms and take the law into her own hands to protect her rights. And she really um, stands for natural health. And, and at the time when she was looking to build a community, a movement, um, she was given my name because I was working, I'm in the health field. I have a background in kinesiology and health sciences and holistic nutrition. And I also had my daughter three years ago and uh, have gotten uh, very deep into the research around uh, vaccine safety and efficacy. Really all kind of falls in together to um, towards this kind of bubble of natural health that I have become very, very passionate about. So between that and I was, I was working on um, brand management. So it was helping other health brands build their social media platforms. And um, that's what she needed help with. And so we kind of joined forces because with both of our passions and both of our uh, skill sets, we were able to build this platform and uh, she has gone on to do other things. And so I've kind of taken the reins and what I have decided, the direction that I've decided to take the movement in is just to educate and empower and connect. And so, you know, it's really nice when you see a big group of thousands of people protesting and, you know, it's, it's powerful, but is it effective at uh, actually making change? Maybe, maybe not, right? And not all moms are going to be out there with megaphones and their fists in the air, but they do, there are, there are moms who are not okay with what's going on in the world right now, and they want to know how can they stand up for their rights in their own way. And so the first thing we do is we connect moms. We connect people so that conversations like this can happen. You can find like-minded people. We can give our kids a good day. We can watch our kids play together and flourish. And we can uh, play together and flourish as well as adults, right? Just having that social time and interaction. It's so important for our health and for our soul. And so that's where our main focus is. And then from there, 
we want to empower people by sharing information, having conversations publicly with all different walks of life, um, and then giving people access to, you know, research and what everything that's kind of surfacing right now. And, and then to empower these women to do what they're good at, take whatever you're skilled at doing and elicit change through that channel. I can't tell someone how to be an activist, but I can empower them with the resources so that they can go and be great at whatever they're great at. And so that's kind of the, in a nutshell, what we do and what we stand for. We, uh, you know, our, our main focus, as I said, is on protecting our natural health rights and medical freedom because it's very, very important. And especially in the current times where we're being uh, coerced into taking an experimental injection that uh, actually is not a vaccine at all. We can get into that a little bit, but we really need to get strong in our knowledge base because knowledge is power. And when we understand our rights and we understand who we are and what we stand for, then we're unstoppable. Amen. (laughs) I agree wholeheartedly. And I love what you said about, um, I've always thought about this, you know, everyone has their own form of activism. Some people are meant to hit the streets. Some people are, you know, working behind the scenes. Some people are doing stuff like this. Some people, you know, I'm very much in the spiritual world. So I know people, you know, spiritual practitioners and shamans and healers that are like full-time doing work for the planet, but on the energetic level behind the scenes. And you won't know who any of these people are ever, but what they're doing is like huge. So, you know, like we all have a role to play. And it's funny, there was a, you know, there was a a rally here yesterday, like a big one with Chris Sky. And, you know, I couldn't go because I have my son and he doesn't do well in crowds all the time. Otherwise, I probably would have gone. But so I love that you said that, you know, and people were like, oh, it's too bad you can't come. And I was like, no, I'm doing my work. You know, (laughs) you know, I'm doing my work in the way that works for me right now. And it's the same as you. So I want to say thank you so much. um, Because I know for myself, and I'm sure it was for you as well, you know, becoming a mother myself just awakened something in me that was so profound and so touched my heart. Like, you know, I thought my heart was open already. And like, boy, you know, you just experience love like you, you can't even imagine. And then through that, it's not just the love I have for my own son, it extends to all children everywhere. And, you know, I've become so passionate about wanting to create a world that is free for all children everywhere so that children don't, you know, are, are, more privileged and able to grow up in a way that's free. And that's our responsibilities as mothers to protect them, right? Yeah, that's, it's, a, it's a rite of passage. When you become a mother, when you bring life into this world, you can understand it theoretically before it happens, but you really don't get it on a deep level. You don't know until you've birthed a life into this world that there is someone that you would literally put your life down for and you would go to any length to protect. And so that's where this this fierce energy is coming from for me is I, I don't care about anything except for my daughter's happiness, her health, her future. And so I'm going to be that mama bear that paves the way for her and pushes all of the danger aside. And, you know, that's, 
as you said, like, it's not just about my daughter. It's about the collective child. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I so relate to that. And becoming a mother is so profound. So um, I understand that you're in Toronto, in Ontario right now. So can you tell us a little bit about what is happening there with the, you know, you guys are kind of, you're under a big lockdown and I understand there's some increased police presence there. And can you tell us a little bit what's, what's actually going on from your experience? Okay, so what's very interesting is it seems to be a little bit of a power struggle between the higher-ups. So, um, Doug Ford, a couple really interesting things happened in the last week. So, the first one, uh, two really big wins for the people. The first one was that Doug Ford announced that along with this third lockdown, or I guess he's calling it a shutdown now. I don't really understand what the difference is between the two, but just another layer of, uh, you know, policing to keep us all scared and in our homes. Um, He announced that he was giving the police the um, authorization to stop people randomly and do checks and question us as to where we are coming from, where we're going, And um, he also said that he would be closing down the playgrounds. And that was on Friday of last week. So mid-April, if you're listening to this on replay. And the park one, let's touch on that one first. So all of the mama bears rushed the playgrounds the very next morning. We took down any signage We had a hashtag on social media called Occupy Playgrounds and we put our foot down and we said, hell no, we are not allowing you to take another summer from our children because the parks were closed all summer last summer and we're not going to allow that to happen again. So we said no. We all went, that this was our form of activism at the time. There was a march going on on this Saturday morning, but we thought, no, 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 our time is going to be better spent. Take your kids, get everyone you know with kids, go to a park, tear down the red tape and let your children play. And we did it. And less than 24 hours after Doug Ford made that announcement, he backpedaled via a tweet. He couldn't even show his face and say it out loud that he is no longer going to be closing down the playgrounds, uh, but to just, you know, be smart and keep your distance and we'll still be, we'll still be monitoring large groups if we see them. So it was his way of saying, okay, you win. I'm not, I'm not going to fight the collective mama bear right now. Um, And so the parks are open. Yeah. I didn't know any of this. This is why it's so great to, to hear all this from you because this is yeah. amazing. Good work. Thank you. It feels really, it felt really empowering and it was very quick. It was very quick. So imagine if we also put our foot down that heavily when it comes to masking our children in schools and sanitizing them with chemical sanitizers and forcing them to distance from each other. If we put our foot down and everybody pulled their children out of school and said, we will not take part in this public school system until you let our children have a normal school experience, guess what would happen? 
we would have our children in school having a normal school experience because the only way for the government to perpetuate this fear mongering and these mandates is with compliance. They, they are reliant on our compliance in order for these things to happen. And that was a big lesson learned when we, when we opened the parks on our own accord. And so we take that as a lesson and an opportunity to keep going. The other thing that was very exciting that happened was when Ford announced the authorization for the police to do checkpoints, um, almost every single police force within Ontario tweeted that they would be doing no such thing. And it, it just, it like, it brought me to tears because the collective police force is saying, we're with the people, we are the people, and we are not taking orders from you to do illegal searches on people that are just going about their day, driving to the grocery store, doing whatever they have to do, right? So, so it was a big win, two really big wins in Ontario. And now, yes, we are on a lockdown, but to be honest, it doesn't change anything for my life because I have over the past year through a hundred million moms created a beautiful community of rebel warriors who are not okay with following the rules without any data to back them up. So what we've done is we've created our own alternate society. We support businesses that allow us to continue to support them. And we support each other. We get our kids together. You know, all you really need, yes, it's unfortunate that, you know, the gyms are closed and the hair salons are closed and everything is closed, but that's on the businesses at this point. If they want to continue to listen to these government mandates, and close their businesses to the point of probably no return, then that's on them at this point. We need people to rebel, just like we rebelled with the parks. If everybody opened their business, the government couldn't do anything. So if there's a hair salon that opens, we're going to support them. I'm sending all of my mama bear crew to go in and support them. If there's a restaurant that opens, we will go support them. We have... Uh, our kids in dance studios every week. We go to like animal sanctuaries and plan all of these trips and get togethers. And so actually it's probably been the most social year of my life because <laughs> I'm somewhat of an introvert by nature. So as soon as I'm told that I can't do something, I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> hang on a second. I'm going to be super social this year. And so, um, it's been, it's been very difficult on a lot of people because if you are following the rules and you have family members and friends who are scared to come in contact with you, it's very isolating. But that's why we push for community building. That's why it's such a powerful tool. It doesn't seem like a lot to just connect people to each other, but it's, it's the most powerful tool that we have right now. Amazing. 
Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all that. And I can totally relate. I mean, I'm having a fine time here too, you know, because, you know, here in BC, we have so much nature. We live beside a forest. There's the beach, you know, at one point last year, they did shut down the playgrounds and the, a lot of the trails and stuff, but they have since opened everything up. And I've been saying like, my joke is like the playgrounds are the party spot right now. Like, you know, when you go to the playgrounds, there's so many kids there. You meet other parents. I've actually made new friends this year. A lot who are like at the playground, other moms who are, you know, we're all on the same sort of page so I think it's good to have kids actually during this time because they do they do get you out and they do get you out into and then they do give you a different perspective on things too right because a lot of these things are just you know like the, the masks on the young kids and stuff like that it's just like it's, it's been uh, yeah, I was thinking about that last night, you know, because this whole, this show is called like a voice for love and, you know, like, mm. look what's literally happening. Like I have yeah. my hand over my mouth for all the listeners in case you wondered why I went muffled, but I literally put my hand over my mouth because symbolically, you know, in some ways, that's what, that's what it is, you know? And of course, you know, if you've, I've, I've traveled a lot and in, in other countries and I, and I do have friends who have lived in Africa and they have lived through, you know, real quote-unquote pandemics, you know, and actual infectious diseases and masks can be a part of that and whatnot. So, you know, and, and that it can be a thing, but what's happening with this is clearly it's being blown out of, you know, because it's this very nuanced thing where it's like, you know, I know a lot of people believe that it's not real. And, you know, obviously there is a virus and now we've got all kinds of more problems with variants and whatever, all of these um things that are potentially coming from the vaccines as we know you know <laughs> anyway so it's a big mess now whatever 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 you want to do but there's also so many different ways that we can deal with it and one of the big ways of course is to get out of fear so there is a way to tackle any situation that you're in from a place of love and a place of awareness and just to say like hey this is going on and i'm just gonna live my life anyway and you yeah. know but the problem is going back to what you said okay if everyone would just if everyone would just now the problem is everyone is not on the same page about this. There are people who have gone so deep into the rabbit hole, who are so engulfed in fear, who watch the news and listen to all of this stuff and their their minds, it's like, you you know, it's very difficult to reach them. So I'm curious, like, what, what do you do when you, and have you seen any transformations of people, I guess is what I'm being prompted to ask. Um, Cause I've seen a few and it's pretty exciting actually, when I see some of the like people starting to come around, I'm like, yes, you know? Yes. So. There's been, I mean, I think we've all gone through a collective transformation over the last year. And for me, it started in a, in a lot of anger that people weren't able to see things the way I did. Like I remember doing a simple calculation when they were uh, talking on the news about the cases and the deaths. And I did, you know, cases divided by population, deaths divided by population. And it was like 0. 0.0000. I'm like, this doesn't seem like a pandemic to me. This seems like normal numbers, but I don't know. So I just started sharing that information. And I think that there was an undertone of like sarcasm, frustration, anger behind all of my posts. And I got a mass amount of people that just turned their backs and unfollowed and, and ran the other way, which is fine. Um, but I think over the course of the year, I've, I've transitioned more into sharing from a place of, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm still a full human and I still experience anger and frustration and I express those things as, as they come up. But for the most part now, I'm trying to share more factual information, more kind of just try to like gently connect the dots for people, some days gently, some days not so gently. And I think what's important is that we 
equip ourselves with information. And we have to remember that we're not all going to share the same perspective. And that is the beauty of the human collective. We're, we all are along this spectrum of different truths. And my truth isn't more valid than anyone else's. But I do want to touch on a couple simple facts that may um, just, I don't know, put a light bulb on in some heads that are maybe not thinking about it in this way. Because there's this conversation, as you mentioned, is it real? You don't, you're a COVID denier. You don't believe in the virus, right? We have to understand that there has never been an isolated virus. We are stipulating that a set of respiratory symptoms that are presenting in a certain way is what we are calling, quote unquote, SARS-CoV-2. But there is no isolated virus. On top of that, the PCR test that we're using is illegitimate. It is not a diagnostic tool. And there's a video footage of the inventor of the PCR test saying, you can literally find anything in anyone if you cycle it enough times. And it really goes to show how interconnected we are as a human being, because we're, we all have a little bit of everything in us. And so he says anything over 25 cycles of the PCR test is, is garbage. Ontario is currently using a 38 cycle threshold and we're forcing people to get tested, to go to work, to go to school, to go to anywhere. And so the testing is ramping up. And so the cases are ramping up. And so we're literally basing a pandemic off of 90 plus percent false positives. Unless someone is presenting with the symptoms, they are likely not sick with SARS-CoV-2 when they get tested positive and are not feeling symptomatic. We've, we have this idea now that asymptomatic people, healthy people are not, no longer healthy. They're just asymptomatic. So they're still a threat. They're still sick. They just don't look like it, right? And we still need to be afraid of these people. My beautiful, vibrant three-year-old daughter, I have people ducking her because we don't wear a mask. And it's, it's very sad that we've come to that, but this is the power of propaganda. We've been taught to fear each other. Now, what we should be looking at is the numbers of people who are actually hospitalized and the number of people who have actually passed away. So to date, we've had over 23,000 deaths in Canada and we have a population of over almost 38 million. That means that 0.06% of our population has passed from what we are calling COVID. That likely includes the flu, that likely includes pneumonia, that likely includes people who have died of other causes. So we have to be very, like these are the types of conversations we need to be having because when you Break it down to the basics and stop bickering with the mask, no mask, vax, no vax. Like it's, we're, we're just, we're arguing and it's just noise. But let's come down, let's t strip away everything and look down at, at the fundamentals. 
how many people are dying? Is the, is the death rate higher this year than any other year? No. So where's, where is the pandemic? I'm not saying that people aren't dying. I'm not saying that there isn't a, a virus that is presenting with respiratory symptoms. But what happens when you hit your end of life, whether you're sick with cancer or heart disease or diabetes or hypertension, uh, whatever it is that you have, getting sick is going to be more detrimental for you. And it, generally speaking, we die from our cause and it could be pushed over the edge by what they call in hospitals as PNI, so pneumonia and influenza. They've, they've tacked a C onto that now. So it's pneumonia, influenza, and COVID as a bubble term. So anything that fits within that bubble is a COVID-19 positive case. So it's very interesting how we have morphed and manipulated regular normal deaths into the virus, right? It's not to say that these lives don't matter. It's not to say that we don't care about people who have end-stage cancer. But when doctors are coming out and they're saying, why am I being asked to put COVID as the primary cause of death on the death certificate? Why are the hospitals in the U.S. getting $13,000 for every time they write COVID as a primary cause of death on a death certificate? Generally speaking, the way the death certificates are written is cause of death, heart disease, heart failure, secondary, pneumonia, influenza, COVID, I guess, right? But instead, they're putting it as a cause of death, even though that was not the cause of death. Even people who are in hospice, who are nearing the end of their lives, they, they are fully aware that they're, they're around the corner from death. They are pegging this uh, COVID-19 on those people um, and then basing a pandemic off of it. So it's very scary to think about how these deaths are being manipulated. And another thing we have to remember is it's not a matter of if we are going to die. Every single one of us is going to cross over at some point. And the best chance we have at prolonging this lifetime that we have in this human form is to do what's within our control to take care of our bodies, to eat well, to move your body, to sleep well, to be mindful, do some meditation, do some breath work. We need to think of all of these things, to laugh, to feel joy, to have social connections. All of these things encompass what a healthy human being is. And these are all of the things that are being taken from us. Don't go outside, stay in your home, order takeout, watch the news, be afraid, cover your mouth. They're not talking about, let's get you get outside, get vitamin D, make sure you're eating lots of fresh whole foods, make sure you're moving your body. We have our premier of Ontario teaching people how to make a cheesecake for God's sakes. Like what is that? <laughs> it's not, it's not conducive to health. Any of these mandates, you know, put two masks on your face because one isn't good enough. It just, 
it just doesn't make any sense. And, and the, the cure cannot be worse than the cause. So we are focusing the camera lens on COVID, COVID, COVID. Who's dying of COVID? How many cases do we have? But we are turning our backs on all of the overdoses, all of the suicides, all of the domestic abuse, all of the alcohol abuse that's happening, all of the, the childhood uh mental health crises that we're, that we're facing, that we've increased the calls to children's helpline by four times. We've had over 4 million calls to children's help phone this year. This is the pandemic and they are the most vulnerable population because they are not near the end of their lives. They are at the beginning of their lives and we are systematically destroying their lives. We are psychologically and physically damaging them through the way that they're being treated in the public school system. They're afraid that the air that comes out of their mouth is going to kill their grandmother. These healthy, vibrant, beautiful beings are being taught to fear their own bodies. And it's, it's, we have to think of these things. Maybe, maybe there is, uh, you know, let's play devil's advocate here. Even if there was a pandemic that we need to be worried about and afraid of, it still doesn't justify how we're treating our children right now. And I feel so, so sorry for, for the children whose parents are locked in to the narrative and to the propaganda because they're not only being taught that in schools, they're hearing it on the media, they're seeing it on billboards, but it's also coming from their most trusted source, which is their mom and dad or their caregiver, saying that you need to wear that mask at the park to stay safe. Don't go and play with those other kids because it's dangerous. And that, that breaks my heart. And so the more that I can empower people and, you know, we post pictures on our Instagram account of like, you know, 12 kids sitting together on a couch at a birthday party. And it's hopefully what it's doing is it's just sparking some type of inspiration for them to go and say, well, look, they've been doing it for a year. They're fine. Everyone's fine. I was asked on another podcast that I was interviewed on, like, oh, so you've been like doing play dates for the last year? And like, are you guys all okay? Like, is anyone getting sick? I said, no, <laughs> nobody's getting sick. Sure, someone's had a cold and then they don't come out that day. But for the most part, we're all very healthy. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's funny that you said that because I mean, I could share so many things, but one thing that thought I had yesterday was I'm like, doesn't anyone remember last year, the marches for like after George Floyd, like all the marches in support of black lives and all of these, like there were, I don't know about there in Toronto, but there were, I don't know, 20,000 people or more at some of them here. Nothing happened. And I remember saying at the time, I'm like, if nothing happens, this is our proof right here that this is not what people are making this out to be because all these people are gathering, like not just five people, not 10 people, not even 12 people. We're talking 20,000 people all in the same vicinities. And, and there's been different kinds of demonstrations happening in all kinds of capacities. And yet, you know, 
it doesn't make sense. This is like, I love what you said about the numbers and that, because this is what I say too, like, again, like it doesn't make sense, but we're at a point where you can show numbers. You can, you can put these numbers right in people's face and you can say, and still it's like, it's just like the, the amount of, you know, mind control and the way that people's minds have been shifted is very scary. And this is very scary for children because as we know, you know, before, you know, in, in child psychology, before certain ages, it's very important, you know, like if you can manage to get a child to, you know, three, or seven years old, if they have not experienced a major trauma, they're going to be in a better position to navigate the rest mm-hmm. of their life because these are their formative years, right? Mm-hmm. And again, it's also not impossible. There's many incredible people in this planet, you know, who have overcome all kinds of things in their life. But, you know, the best thing we can do for children is during their formative years, try to cultivate an environment for them that is safe, that is loving, that is, you know, no parent is perfect, but we're doing, you know, we're doing our best and we're trying yeah. to help our children be free and safe. And I, and I love that you said that about the it's so true and it's so sad because you know I, I'm similar to you I'm very free I don't I don't even talk to my son about COVID like it's not even yeah. in our in our reality because mm-hmm. we're just living our life you know we're just having little play dates we're going into nature we're hanging out we're just like because it's it's all about what you want to plug into now again that doesn't mean that we're not being mindful or aware as you said you know there are many ways to navigate situations without going into full-blown fear around them mm-hmm. you know and this is just life and, and I've said this a lot too. I'm like the fact that not one government has used this as an opportunity to educate people about the immune system, you know, all of these things. There are so many different ways that we could be managing this, yet the options that we're being given are all options that are just putting people into more fear, more isolation. You know, I've wanted to write this thing. Maybe I'll do it one day. Like if I was a psychopath, this is what I would do. And like lay out all of the steps that have been given to us throughout this process, because they have all been designed to further put people into fear more isolation like what do we know about isolation like this is what is done to prisoners in jail when they have done torture tactics it is, it is absolutely yeah. and and you know you can i mean i've my heart really breaks for the children and also the elderly right now as well i have seen elderly people like literally shaking in their bones like out in the street because they're just so you know they're, they're so afraid you know and it's 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 tragic like it's um but I, I've had this, you know, I remember now, now it's a little bit, you know, we're really in it. So I have to remember this. But when this all started last year, my, my you know, I'm a very intuitive person. And my strong sense was this is this is all going to get exposed. Like the light is going to win. The truth is going to come out. And mm-hmm. this is going to end up being this huge, you know, awakening point for humanity. Like now that we're kind of in it, some days I have my like, oh, gosh, is this really happening? But, know. you know, I love hearing those, like you just sharing those stories about the two things, like the playground and the police, like those those are huge victories because it's, it's like you said, like it really is that simple. We actually have all the power. It's just a matter of enough people waking up and understanding that power and coming together on the same page. And once that happens, like we're, we're invincible. Like it's the 99% versus the 1%, right? So if the, if enough, it doesn't even need to be all 99%. It just needs to be enough people standing strongly, organizing themselves correctly. And then, you know, boof, we, we've got it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh Sorry, I don't know if you're hearing that beeping on my end. No, I'm not hearing any beeping. Okay. So it's only on your, is it coming from your computer? It's if you Yeah, my, my computer, my messages, and my phone is on silent, but my phone is, uh, computer is dinging. That's Apologies. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't hear anything. So it's totally fine on my end. It's, it's all good. Yeah, so I think that we just need to keep, doing what we're doing. We need to keep pushing the envelope. Um, 
in the form of united non-compliance. Because we have the power as the people and we have to realize that, that these elected government officials are public servants. We have the power and we give them the power to govern us. And if what they are doing no longer makes sense for us, then we have the power to make those changes. So don't underestimate your power as one human being to make change in whatever way it is, whether it's having a conversation, whether it's putting some information out there, using your voice in some way, shape or form to help us work towards the solutions. You know, the elderly, as you said, some of them are living in fear, but some of them are living in extreme loneliness and they don't want this. They don't want to be told what risks they should or should not take. If I'm in my 80s, if I'm blessed enough to make it to that age and I have a grandchild or a great-grandchild, there is nothing and no one that's going to keep me from that. And I should have the right as a human being, as an intelligent human being, to assess my risk and benefit. We know that it's dangerous to get into a car and drive a couple hours to the cottage or to see a friend or to an event, but we make that choice. We take the risk because mobility is wonderful. If we can see different places and have access to different things by jumping in a car, great. To me, the, re the reward outweighs the potential risk. So now we're in this place where, be, where we're being told by our government that we are not allowed to assess our own risk. It is for our own safety that we need to isolate. And that's what's going to make us safe. So we now have been, they're trying to take away our ability to assess the risk of, okay, let's look at the numbers. We have over a 99% survival rate across the board for this illness. Is it worth the risk to go outside? Is it worth the risk to hug my mom, my grandmother? And for me, yeah, it's worth the risk. If it's not worth the risk for you, then you are a sovereign human being who can decide that it is not worth the risk and you can close your door and stay inside. But for the people who are not afraid, open your businesses, take your mask off because we have the right to breathe unobstructed air freely as a human being. That's a, it's a birthright. It's a God-given birthright. And the fact that we even have to argue that is a little bit crazy. So... Well, it is. And I thought, I mean, I remember one of my first senses again about this when it all started was it was, this was actually a bit of a test to see how much people were going to comply. How, how were people going to go along with this? And as we have seen, everyone has just gone along with this. And now we have our, you know, global fortune teller, Bill Gates saying things like, well, we're going to prepare everyone for the next pandemic. And when you hear him say things like that, you already know. It's like, so everybody's already been prepped for this because again, you know, he's been speaking, I'm being very sarcastic. I'm sure everybody knows this when I call him our global fortune teller, but you know, right. I say this because if you listen to him for many years, he has been giving clues as to all of these things, including this, um, 
what was that? What was it called? Event 201. Was that the name of it? The, you know, right. And, you know, right before this whole thing started, he gathered people from around the world and had this massive summit in like preparing everyone and basically doing a run through of what would happen if the world was to go through a pandemic, right? Which is, and, and to me, again, this is just like such an obvious sign. Like you don't think something's going on here, but it's so interesting to speak to other people about this who will say, you know, well, I don't think it's, I don't think there's anything strange about it at all. You know, so we, we we're dealing with different minds here, you know, about all kinds of things. So I think once you kind of switch into, it's like the matrix, it's like the red pill and the blue pill, you know, it's like once your mind awakens to a certain way of seeing things, you kind of can't unsee things. And then you begin to see everything in a different light. And like, so to people like us, you know, it's like so obvious and everything. It's like, it's just so obvious to us. And like, it's like, okay, what are they going to do next? And we can often even predict what they're going to do next, because again, it becomes so obvious. And yet to others who have not had this awakening or are not able to see things in this way, you know, it's like complete blinders still, like unable to just so locked into this fixed system. So that's interesting. I like that you talked about, I had to go through the same process as well. And for me, um, you know, I've moved into this really wonderful space of just being unconditional with everyone, no matter what they believe, no matter what, I'm not here to convince anyone. I'm not here to, I, I can only share what I believe and do what I know is best for, you know, my life and what I believe is also best for the planet. And also, you know, not having to argue with people or get into debates. You know, I had a great talk with somebody yesterday on, um, you know, online and he's really, it's funny. He was more along our way of thinking, but something's happened and he shifted into the other narrative a little bit more. So he was actually inviting people. He's like, please, he's like, I want to invite people to like, uh, you know, say what they believe about, do you really think there's an evil force behind this situation and like bring it here. So I did, even though I knew it was going to happen. And it was so funny. He broke it down, like all my points, like people were like, what are you buddy, a lawyer? But it ended with us. I said, you know what? I knew we were going to disagree because I've seen which direction you're going. I chose to share anyway. I don't really care if you break down what I say. And what it comes down to is like, I still love you, brother. And he's like, I love you, sister. And I'm like, great, great. So you believe what you believe. I believe what I believe. At the end of the day, I know we're united in wanting, you know, a peaceful world. And I've even had this thought, like, what if it's meant to be this way? You know, like, some people believe this and some people believe that. We're not going to believe the same. And we have to keep on pushing for you know, our freedoms essentially is really what it's about because, you know, again, yes, there's something going on. Yes, we can be mindful. And, you know, the risk thing is hilarious. I I see so many people, you know, it's like, getting vaccinated has become like the new virtue signaling, right? Like, it's like, look at me. And, and it's been, again, part of the programming that it's this great thing that you're doing for humanity by taking this, you know, making this decision for yourself. Like, it's not just about you. You're actually, you know, helping. You're a hero. Yeah. Right. You're, you're a hero. Oh my gosh. gosh. Yeah. It's, it's just, um, and again, and, and again, something that's been coming to me really clearly, I think I'm going to make a video about it. And I also think it's very important that whoever does choose to make that choice, that we bless them and we don't put any, you know, we don't want, we don't want bad things to happen to anyone. We don't. And, and yet we also know that there are so many terrible things and side effects happening as a result of this, you know, which is also very interesting because when you try to share this with people, again, it's like the, the blinders are on there when the, when the information is all there to see, you know, it's, it's laid out. I don't know if you know this, but um, I've been going back and forth with a, with a friend of mine the other day who is a um, past couple of days, she's a pharmacy technician and she's actually was asking publicly, where can I report these side effects that I am seeing my clients have? 
Um, she actually got a first dose herself of, I believe, the Pfizer one, and she will not be getting any more after that. She's made a choice that she's, you know, going to take a different path, which is great because she's in that industry, you know. And there is no central reporting system in Canada. Do you know this? The I only do. thing that you can do is um, is report it to your doctor, and then it's your doctor's choice what they want to do with it. So, you know, the U.S. has VAERS, and then WHO has, like, the Vigi Access site, and other countries have reporting systems and uh, compensation programs for injury victims. And we don't have that in Canada, which I find very interesting because we're generally a little bit more of a progressive, especially medically, you know, progressive. So Yeah, so so they did announce that they were looking into creating a reporting system for Canada and we can celebrate that as good news. However, we do need to... Um, we do need to remember that having a reporting system and a compensation system is not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to have the manufacturers have liability because they're exempt from liability. Who pays for the compensation through VAERS? The taxpayers. So we are paying for our own injury and death, whereas the manufacturers just get to keep tacking on the dollar signs and profiting off of injecting us with things that we know come with great risk. And they are trying to take away our ability to choose whether or not we take that risk. They're forcing a risky medical intervention on us, or at least trying to. And that is a, that's a little bit of a nightmare because we need liability because if there's no liability if if you were going to buy a car seat for example and when you bought it you had to understand that look his car seat goes like it's like ejected from your car and your baby goes flying like don't come to us we're just the manufacturers like we're not responsible for making sure that it's safe and effective that would be a big problem and we would be up in arms about that. But somehow we're okay with it when it comes to what we're injecting directly into our baby's bodies. We need to start thinking about this in a more critical fashion. We need true informed consent. We need people to understand that they have the right to ask questions. Ask your doctor, can you name the ingredients in this injection that you are about to put into my child? Can you tell me what, what the risks and benefits of each ingredient is? Can I have the vaccine insert to take home and peruse before I make my final decision as to whether I'm going to go through with this medical intervention for my child? Instead, we just get, oh, they're two months old. It's time for their whatever shot, right? Like it's a rite of passage or something to get this shot. Let's just step back a second and understand that we have the right to ask questions and this is a medical intervention. You're not just going to take, start taking an antidepressant, even if you're depressed, without looking into what the side effects are. And your doctor is going to tell you, hey, look, this comes with XYZ side effects. Do you still want to take it? That's what true informed consent is, right? There's over 400... Uh, adverse reactions that can happen that are written right on the vaccine inserts. And we're being told about none of it. We're saying, oh, it's very rare. Most people are fine. And 
oh, also, you're selfish if you don't vaccinate your kid because you're killing some child in Africa because herd immunity. Oh, I know. This is, I'm always like, herd immunity is herd mentality. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, to me, yeah. this is just... Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, 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 it's wild. And my whole logic on this is I'm like, okay, so we're being asked to do all of these things that we're doing essentially from the get-go. This is how it was presented to us, right? It was presented to us that we must take these precautions to protect a very small group of people, immunocompromised people and the elderly, because even from the get-go, they were pretty clear that, you know, most people are going to survive COVID except for elderly people and immunocompromised. Okay, so then when it comes to the flip side of this, and now that we're moving into this like vaccine, uh, you know, issue, why are we not being asked to be mindful and give those same courtesies to the population, the percentage of the population who cannot take vaccines, who will have a reaction to them, you know, and again, that is even laid out, it even says on the Health Canada site right there, there are certain people who should not take this for various reasons, you know, different allergies, different hypersensitivities. I mean, I had an injury when I was a teenager. I didn't, I didn't understand what happened until much, it took me some time to, to put all the pieces together, but I now believe that it was vaccines that caused me to be diagnosed with ADD. And for about 10 years, I had incredible neurological issues, all kinds of like, I couldn't read, I couldn't listen to people, I couldn't have conversations with them. Like I would see people's mouth moving and I couldn't hear the words coming out and you know I couldn't read anymore I went from being like a good student to like almost failing and again I didn't quite understand until later on when I was I was helping a friend who had some unusual medical injuries that were also some of which were related to um, some vaccines that she had when traveling and she started thinking you know I think you have the same so I did a ton of detoxing like you know with chlorella spirulina infrared saunas and zeolite if anyone's listening liquid zeolite is amazing it's an all-natural supplement but it pulls toxins out of the brain so if you or anyone you know thinks that you might have been damaged in any way neurologically from a vaccine or anything else, you know, all of those things are really good because they detox you. So then after I detoxed, and then of course doing like, I think some of the spiritual work I do, like energy clearing, meditation, all of that, I believe that also helps as well. But now, you know, I wouldn't say my brain is normal because it's, you know, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a unique individual. I do interesting things, you know, in my work as a spiritual healer, but, you know, I can read again. I can have conversations with people. I would not have been able to do this as a teenager. I would not, you would be sitting there talking and I wouldn't even be able to follow what you were saying, which was then of course diagnosed as ADD, like being unable to concentrate. But now, you know, why did that happen? And why did that happen all of a sudden? And I started to clue into this because I started working with some autistic individuals who are on the autistic spectrum, uh, particularly mm. one woman who I'm very close with. And I said, as I worked with her and I sat with her, I thought, you know, I almost believe like ADD and ADHD is the precursor to autism. So some children will have a reaction. And again, you know, this is, this, this makes me so angry too, because they'll say things like, oh, they have disproven the claims between, you know, autism and vaccines. Well, at what point do people's stories become proof and data and evidence? Because, you know, tell that to the tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of families who will tell you different. They will tell you, right. I had a normal child until my child had a vaccine. And now my child is brain damaged and may never be normal again. If you catch it soon enough, there are many wonderful stories and miraculous stories of, you know, individuals who have made a complete healing and managed to get out of that. But many people don't have the information. They don't have the resources. It's incredibly expensive because all the tre treatments that you need are mostly, you know, naturopathic and not covered by the system. So it's, it's, it's very unfortunate. And of course, you know, autistic children have wonderful gifts that, um, you know, of they're very special. They of we course they them. do. We love them. And there's nothing, there's nothing, but, 
But here's the conversation I had with an autistic mother is as she, she, um, she was triggered by something that I posted and she kind of like said, you know, how dare you connect vaccines to autism? I have an autistic child. It wasn't caused by vac- vaccines and I wouldn't change her for the world. And I said, of course not. We love our children no matter what, um, baggage it comes with. We love them, but there are many autistic children who will never be independent. And if there's even, even a glimmer of hope that we can look into something that will decrease the, the number of people who will be put into that position to live their life dependent for their entire life, then we should look into it. Now, we know that there are neurotoxins in the vaccines. The aluminum is used as an adjuvant to help to stimulate the immune system. We also know that there is polysorbate 80 in vaccines, which opens the blood-brain barrier. Now, when you have those two ingredients together, you have a neurotoxin and something that it can walk that neurotoxin right into the brain, we need to start to think about that. Polysorbate 80 is used in in chemotherapy for brain tumors because of its ability to open the blood-brain barrier. And these things don't necessarily happen overnight, which is what makes it very difficult oftentimes to connect injury to the vaccine because you can't see, it's not an objective thing. Your ADD, you can't objectively connect it to a vaccine. You know intuitively that it came from a vaccine. We know that there's neurotoxins in the vaccines, so we can make those connections. But good luck proving that and good luck getting compensated or good luck reversing that. For most people, it's, it's a lifelong battle after the fact. And so we have to think, we have to continue to think critically. The, the famous Dr. Andrew Wakefield, who was discredited, quote unquote, for his uh, connection to autism and the MMR vaccine, all he was saying is that perhaps in that MMR vaccine, it, it is too much to give them all three viruses at the same time. Perhaps we should look into splitting them up. But as soon as a scientist or a doctor goes in the direction of let's question a vaccine, they are automatically put on the chopping block. They're automatically discredited. And then the, the entire the entire medical system turns on them because of a finding, because of a question. And that is the basis of science. You know, people want to call us anti-science, but the whole basis of science is to question things and test your theories. And if it doesn't come up with the results that you want, it's still science. (laughs) So there's this, there's this lack of information and science on um, testing, not only testing these vaccines long-term testing them in conjunction with each other, because once they signed the vaccine injury compensation act in 1986, they tripled the, the number of vaccines on the schedule. We have no idea what these are doing in conjunction with each other. We assume if one vaccine is fine, then a hundred is fine. Why don't we make that assumption about an Advil? If you took one Advil, you're fine. If you take a hundred Advil, you're dead. So we should have the same connections there, right? We also are not connecting vaccinated to unvaccinated children. 
let's do some comparative studies. I'll tell you, I've had a lot of connections with unvaccinated families now that I'm out in the open about my views, and they are the healthiest, most vibrant kids that I know. No ear infections, no allergies, no ADD, none of it. No behavioral issues. They're all just these wonderful, smart, curious, vibrant beings and it's a wonderful thing to see, but we need to see the science. We need to, we need to look into the science, but if the science is funded by the people who are manufacturing and profiting off of these injections, then I don't think we're ever going to get to that point until we start doing some independent research. Oh yeah. And I, I love that you say that because this of course is the big, like, I believe in science and it's so oh, funny. Right. I'm like, you know, I, so guess what? So do I, so do you clearly, I think it was actually on your podcast with Risa where he said something like, um, I think it was you that he said this, he said like some moms are better versed in this stuff than doctors are because we poured over this, we've researched it, we've learned it. And, you know, indeed doctors aren't given a lot of education on this particular topic. Like it's just, you know, they go and it's like a small part of their training and basically they're just given the schedule and this is what you do and they don't they don't actually have a lot of knowledge about it themselves unless like many doctors and more and more who are beginning to you know become critical thinkers and question and you know there there is this middle ground it's not even even this term anti-vax is so created by you know to put people and lump them in a category because like and I tell it's a people, discriminatory oh, discriminatory course. term just to to discredit us too right and then the the parents who have vaccine injured children are then the finger is pointed at them calling them anti-vaxxer but they were going through the system they trusted their doctor they trusted the vaccines and then now they have to deal with an injured child for the rest of their life so how can you call them anti-vax they they put their their blind trust in the system and that's the result that they got well, and the backlash can be like literally brutal. I'm following this one woman and her, you know, very unfortunately, her young baby died, I think at six six months or something like that. Very tragic story. And um, since she's gone public with her story and, you know, her following is increasing, she gets death threats from people. Can you imagine you you lost your child and then you have people giving you death threats because of what you're, you're speaking up about your own experience? And this has happened to me too, both with, and it's, it's like this kind of gaslighting, right? Like it happens to me when yeah. I don't even share my own story a lot because like the way I look at it, it's like, I'm fine. I would rather speak for like, be a voice for the literal voiceless. Okay. Like those like our, our autistic brothers and sisters who literally cannot speak like the, mm. you know, they literally cannot, that is one of the effects. They, they cannot literally even express what is going on with them. And, mm. you know, like back to that, that mother, you know, a lot of these children are suffering. You know, the woman that I worked with primarily, um, her mother is very informed and managed to, she's dedicated her whole life to her daughter's development and, you know, manages now her daughter doesn't have like the outbursts anymore she doesn't bang her head she's not violent anymore you know she has found ways to communicate lots of wonderful wonderful progress but it's very interesting. There's another autistic girl who lives in the same apartment building as there. So it's them. So sometimes when I'm there, I will see this girl and this girl is still, you know, I don't think her parents know anything about any of this. So they haven't detoxed her, have taken really a more kind of like the rigid approach with her. And this poor child will be having like complete meltdowns in the parking lot of the apartment building with like four workers around her with clipboards, taking notes and like not knowing how to manage her, not knowing how to connect with her. And it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just so sad, you know, and, and them having no idea. And so it's like, these children are suffering is my point. They're not living their best life. They are, we don't even know what's going on with a lot of them because they can't communicate.
communicate it. But the ones who have found ways to communicate, what they tell us is they feel like, you know, they're confused. They're beyond confused. They're, the reason they're banging yeah. their head against the wall is because they're having these terrible symptoms that are, you know, they're not living their best life. And we don't- They're in pain. They're in pain. Exactly. They're suffering. So so for that, and, and that that is criminal to me. I'm sorry. And, and you know, back to the science piece. I think it's funny when people say like, oh, I believe in science. I'm like, yes, but can't you see that this whole thing is all backed by these companies who have mm. long histories of fraud? Like not one of these companies does not have like a multi-billion dollar scandal already underneath them, you know, of, of, of for fraudulent behavior. So mm -hmm. why do we continue to trust and listen to these people? It's just, you know, for me, you know? Yeah, I think I come back to, because it's heavy, it's a lot to think about, like, you know, could we have prevented these kids from um, from a, a very long and difficult lifetime? And uh, I, I have to default back to the idea and belief that we are all here on a mission to learn through hardship and adversity. We have come into this earth plane, into this physical being at this time and this place. We chose our parents. We chose our experiences. Uh, whether we get into a car accident and become like quadriplegic or, or uh, injured by a vaccine or what, whatever it is, we chose that hardship so that our soul could come here to learn a specific lesson. Um, and once that lesson is, is accomplished, then we move on and our soul continues to learn and grow and flourish. And so when you think about things in those terms, the outrage starts to dissipate because you know that everybody's on their path and, and, of course, it's difficult to see children in pain. Of course, it's difficult to see to to see bad things happen to people, but we have to we have to hold that belief that it's all divine and it's all it's all happening for for a purpose. And whether that's true or not, it gives me hope. It gives me light. It gives me the ability to live in this world without feeling like I'm drowning because when you dive into the research, when you start watching the documentaries and, you know, like looking at like Vaxxed, um, 1986, the act, when you look at the truth about vaccines, which is a nine part docu-series, look all of these up, but take it slowly because it's a lot when I dove into the research and I started watching these documentaries, I felt like I was going to implode. Like I, I couldn't, I literally could not handle listening to these parents' stories. Um, but it's their path. It's their, it's their journey. And um, it had to happen that way to teach the, the victim, to teach the parents of the victim, to, to, to teach us all, lessons as we go um so that's yeah that's where i that's how i wrap my head around all this because there's a lot of darkness right now and and we also have to sit with that darkness because if we want our souls to grow we cannot avoid the pain we have to sit with it we have to sit through it we have to cry through it rage whatever it is that you need to do feel it let it come up and out and then move forward 
Because if you don't, if you keep trying to stuff it down, it's going to be always there percolating under the surface and you're not going to be having a very good time with life. And so that's, I guess, been one of my greatest tactics over the last year in particular, because there's a lot of heavy stuff and a lot of really scary what ifs on both sides of the spectrum, whether you're scared of this like deadly virus that's going to come get you or you're scared of the deadly government that's going to come get you. We're scared on both sides and we need to step back from that fear. We need to live in the moment of what's happening right now. And we need to let the feelings work their way through, you know, and take it one day at a time. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's, I'm so glad that you shared that because this perspective and how we choose to navigate this is a big part of it. And it is personal for everyone, but my, my, my beliefs are very much in alignment with yours as well. And I, I remember last year when this happened, like I had a big awakening around this that like, because of course, when this first happened and, you know, the world went into lockdown, my heart was just like breaking for like India and like all of these places in the world where, you know, us and our privilege, no matter what we have or don't have, you know, we have a home to be locked down in. We have a lot of privileges inside of this situation. That's and right. I remember just having these really big, you know, when you like, you know something and then you have a moment where you know, know something, it was like that. And realizing that me suffering for their suffering does absolutely nothing for them. And that the very best thing I can do in this moment is to just hold my light, stay in my heart, hold my center, stay present and just, you know, navigate everything as it comes and, and stay in prayer for the world, stay with my heart open and, and support in that way. Because going, you know, and this is again, what the media does with its narratives right? Is it gets everybody into fear and everybody locked into everyone else's trauma that we may or may not have to. And, and logistically, we actually cannot process all of this trauma, which is part of the, the problem with the mass media, right? Is now we're aware of everything going on everywhere. And it's just too much for everyone to deal with. Like, and we cannot possibly humanly deal with all of these things of everyone else. We can only do, you know, manage our own life. And for us, most of us, that, that's enough. You know, we, have, we all have things going on in our life. So I completely agree, you know, self-responsibility, staying present and then you know a big part of my work is is about being intuitive and staying in guidance and if everyone would just learn how to stay intuitive and, and follow their own guidance you know we would have a very different world because we're we're all going to be guided differently and then we can okay. just respect one another's one another's decisions and trust like nope everybody's doing what they need to do and I believe if we did that there would just be a natural order in that because divinity naturally orders itself you know mm -hmm. and those of us who are intuitive are also the ones who can you know really feel something you know even if we don't know exactly what it is we're like mm, something's up here you know <laughs> not buying it so stephanie thank you so much i really appreciate your everything that you shared and i love that you have so much great um you know factual information about things i think that's very helpful so please tell people where can they find you and where can other moms find you if they want to join your hundred moms movement so we are on Instagram at 100 million moms. Uh, we've, we share a lot of interviews through there. Um, we reach out to lots of people who can share uh, wonderful um, and well-referenced uh, opinions and backgrounds. And um, so it's wonderful. Check that out. We also um, help to connect people via that platform. So there's posts where you can find people in your area to connect with other like-minded people. Uh, parents with children around the same age. We are working on getting our website up. 
um, it, that will be launching around Mother's Day of this year and we'll have a nice uh, promotion to go along with that. Uh, we are going to be doing a, um, a drive for, we're, we're going to do a promotional uh, sale on one of our products on the website and we're going to donate all of the funds from that to uh, women in need, um, whether they have lost their home, whether they're suffering through domestic violence, we're going to try and get some resources into their hands because at the end of the day, we got to use our, we got to use our platforms, our privilege, our power to do good in the world. And, um, as much as this fight is about, you know, protecting our own personal rights to our bodies, we have to also think of the collective human and the collective child and see what we can do for, for them as well um, when we have the resources to do so. So that's uh, coming up soon. Uh, it'll be just 100millionmoms.com. And um, yeah, but for right now, we're just on Instagram. And my name is Stephanie. You can also find me on my personal account, which is at Glowing Mama Fit. And that's a little more uncensored, I will warn you. That's kind of more my like personal opinions about everything and where the little, the sassy stuff comes out. <laughs> uh, so if you're interested in, in that side of things, um, definitely check that out. But, but also on Instagram, we're always sharing. We have, we've got a great connection with a ton of different organizations and we're always sharing about different events that are happening around around the world, really, it seems to be more in Canada, because that's where our connections are happening. But um, if anyone tags us uh, for events that ha are happening, like, you know, halfway across the world, we'll, we'll share that as well. So come and get connected and uh, find your people because it can be very, very lonely when people turn their backs on you and walk away from you for questioning the narrative. Um, so we get a lot of feedback from people saying like, Oh, I finally found my people. I'm so happy. This is the greatest. And so it's, um, it's wonderful. You should come and connect with us. <laughs> yes. I, well, we need everybody around the world because we don't even have a hundred million people in Canada. So to, no, reach, no, 100, to, to reach a hundred million moms, we're going to have to take this global. Yeah. <laughs> so the basis of a hundred million moms actually is a, is a very simple concept, which I should have mentioned at the beginning, but I'll just mention it before we log off is that, all you need is 10,000 moms who have a reach of 10,000 moms because 10,000 times 10,000 is 100 million. Right. And so when you break it down into the simple math like that, it's, it's we're going to get there. <laughs> We're going to get there. And I, I, you know, I think this is why the Dalai Lama famously said the world will be saved by the Western women, you know, and the. Wow. Did he say that? He did. He did say that. Yeah. That's a, oh. that one's been circulating the internets for a while, but it's always been one of my quotes because it really rings true because it's true. I just feel like, you know, we've seen what the patriarchy has done to the world. The patriarchy mm -hmm. is now over in astrological terms and we're moving. And I think that's why this is happening too. To me, this is like the final last fall of the patriarchy and white supremacy. And it's just, like laid out so clearly well for some of us to see others will see it clearly later but yeah. it's like this is it this is the last hurrah and is they're not going to win we yeah. the, the truth is going to come to 
light. Um, it's all going to get exposed and we're going to see big shifts of power. And I do believe this is going to look like many more women and specifically BIPOC women stepping into positions of power because it is, it is women. It is the mother's heart that is going to change the world because we naturally, we don't think about ourselves. You know, we think about, you know, we do think about ourselves, but we think about the greater good. We think about how is this going to affect everyone, not just ourselves and our profits. And I'm just such a wholehearted believer that there are ways to do things that will prosper and profit everyone in, in good ways. You know, I, I've thought this yeah. since I was a kid. I'm just like, what, what is wrong with this world? So I'm grateful. And as you said, you know, um, I, I don't believe it's an accident either. We're all here at this time. If you're here on the planet at this time, this is no accident. We all have a purpose. We all have a mission. It's not too big or too small. Everybody's doing their part. And if we just stay tuned in, then we will know what our part is to play. And if everyone plays their part, then we will, we will see some really wonderful changes take place, I believe. That's right. Let's destroy and rebuild. <laughs> the destruction is taking place and we are just climbing out from the ashes as our, what's it called? Yeah. The bird that climbs out from the Phoenix. ashes. The, <laughs> the Phoenix. Phoenix. <laughs> I don't know where this came from, but I've seen a lot of people since yesterday hashtagging burn it down, especially after like the, the, the Chauvin trial and like this other unfortunate, terrible shooting that happened after, you know, America police brutality. But I've seen a lot of people saying burn it down. I do not know where this originated from. I would like to credit whoever it came from, but I'm with it. I'm like, burn it down. <laughs> like go. it's yeah. gotta go it's got to go so Stephanie thank you so much I, I look forward to your um, I'm following you already and I love what you're doing and I'm sure lots of more people will follow you and I'll make sure that I get all my moms on board with you and we're we're standing with you and thank you so much for all the work that you're doing thank you so much you've been listening to a voice for love this is Surya Devi you can find me at suryadeviworld.com thank you so much for tuning in I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.